on the Haggadah is dedicated in memory of Dr. Chuck Feldman Zell by his loving family and by friends of David Wicksell in his memory. Uh, I would like to, if you look at the second side of the sheet, down at the bottom, is a Pasuk in Tvarim. On the second side, at the bottom, near the bottom, Tvarim is not the last Pasuk, but next to the last Pasuk. It says, that you should not eat as a prohibition against eating chametz for seven days. Instead of that, eat matzot. You should eat matzot instead of eating chametz. doesn't say why you shouldn't eat chametz in the Torah, but at least not in this pasuk. Uh, but then it says, matzot. And the reason that you eat matzot, well, it says, kama, lechem oni, the, the food or the bread that the poor people ate. Ki bichipazon yatzata me'eretz mitzrayim. Chipazon, the word chipazon means, uh, what? Hastily. Yeah, hastily. I know it's unnaturally, hastily. Like it's not something you necessarily wanted to do with haste. Kibichipazon is hastily? Yeah, kibichipazon. Okay? Because because you have to remember Yatsat Mitzrayim all the days of your life. Rashi says, okay, Rashi explains lechem oni, lechem maskirata oni, shinit anubi mitraim. It's the bread of affliction. It's the bread that people who are afflicted eat. They don't eat bread, but they eat matzah. And therefore, matzah is called lechem oni, the bread of the impoverished or the afflicted. And then the Pasuk says, Kipazon Yatatam, and since you went out hastily, Rashi says, Kipazon Yatsata. Lo is speak but seklahmitz, so that the dough did not rise. It didn't rise. That's called Lahmitz. Vizay Yelachal Zikaron. The Kipazon Lo Shal Khaya Elashal Mitraim. And the and who was rushing here? Not you, but Mitzrayim was rushing. Shekenu Omer, this is what it says in the Pasuk, with the Chazak Mitzrayim Ala'am, that the Egyptians uh, were strong, and they, and they, were, they were determined, <coughs> they were determined to, um, to beat up on the, on the Jews, right? They were determined to do that. Shekenu Omer v'tachzak Yisrael al Amlamad Yizkor al Yedei Achilat Pesach v'Matzah at Yom Tzeicha that you remember the way you remember is that you eat the Pesach and the Matzah together. Pesach means Korban Pesach and Matzah, Matzah. It was there were different elements here in this pasuk. 
the reason that I'm starting from this pasuk is because in the Targum Unculus, mm-hmm. the Targum Unculus, the word Dechipazon is translated what? The word Bechipaz, what? what? Yeah, the Targum Unculus, which once there was a time when all the Jews knew the Targum Unculus because they understood it, but they didn't understand the Hebrew so well. Today we're, we're don't understand either. Mm-hmm. What is Which? means. Uh, what does Chipazon mean? Hastily. Hastily. Unnaturally hastily. So in the Targum Unculus, in the Targum Unculus, the word Chipazon is translated as Behilu. Like the modern Hebrew Behala. The word Behala means, uh, you know, excitement, things are happening, something like that, Behala. <coughs> So the word Chippazon is in the Chumash. The word Behilu is in the Targum Unculus. And interestingly enough, interestingly enough, if you look at the Rambam's Haggadah, Rambam Maimonides, if you look at his Haggadah, where would you look to find the Rambam's Haggadah? Mishnah Torah. What? Mishnah Torah. In the Mishnah Torah, after. Hilchot Chameitu Matzah, the Rambam actually printed his Haggadah. The opening words in that Haggadah, before Halach Ma'anya, which we talked about on Sunday, before Halach Ma'anya, right, the Lechem Oni, the bread of affliction, or the bread of Shaunim Alav Harbei, you know, different Perushim of Lechem Oni, the Rambam says, the, the, the heading, the headline is Bibihilu Yatsumi Mitzrayim. With Chipazon, they went out of Mitzrayim. <coughs> and that comes from this Pasuk. Now, why did they leave Mitzrayim, Bibihilu, according to Rashi? Because the Egyptians changed them out. Right? But if you, and therefore they, they baked matzah, therefore they couldn't bake bread. You know, you have all this kind of chain of events kind of thing. Um, but let's look and see if we can find exactly where that where that took place. Okay, look at the first the first section. A lot of words. I will translate as many words as I think I have to, but if I miss a word, you could ask me. It was, I, I miss a word that I should translate. That's what I mean. This is, these psukim take place after the makat b'chorot. Right? Makat b'chorot. Bakat b'chorot takes place after the korban pesach. What is the korban pesach? It's a special sacrifice that was given once and only once. And the purpose of that sacrifice was to get the blood and smear the blood on the doorposts. And then the Malach Hamavet would skip over that house 
and that's the name of the holiday, Pasach. Right, so again, in the Torah, I'm not here, I don't have those psukim here. First is the Korban Pesach. On the tenth, <coughs> on the tenth day of Nisan, they were instructed to bring the Korban Pesach. On the fifteenth day of Nisan, the fourteenth day of Nisan, they sacrificed the Korban Pesach. And the blood was used in order to distinguish the Jewish homes from the other homes, so that the Bechorot would be killed, uh, only Egyptians would be killed and not Jews. That's the story. And now we're up to this Pasuk. That the day of Yitziat Mitzrayim, which was the day after the Korban Pesach, it'll be a holiday. Right? It'll be a holiday. Shivat Yamim Matsoto then the Pasuk says seven days. You have to eat matzahs for seven days. And then there's an add-on that on the first day, Tashbitu. What does Tashbitu mean? Do you know? You have to dislodge yourself from ownership. In, in other words, you don't have to, as all the Rishonim point out, <coughs> you don't have to destroy the chametz, right? You have to just not own it. You have to not own the chametz. How do you not own the chametz? I mean, like I have chametz in my house. So what do I do to it? So I go like this. I go, whoo, I don't want you anymore. And that does it min ha-Torah. Midrabanam, the Chachamim, already was suspicious that not everybody who does woo really means it. And so they said, you better do a little more than woo. And, uh, and they said, you should get rid of it. You should get rid of the, the Chachamim. So then there came a conflict. What if I have Chachamim that's worth a lot of money? What if my business is chametz? Right? So there's something I can do. There's something I can do that's intermediate. And the determination was, it's already in the Tosefta, I mean, very early on, <coughs> that you can, that you can uh, sell it to a non-Jew. If you sell it to a non-Jew, then you have, um, that's not yours. If it's not yours, you're fulfilling the Torah requirement. It always seems to me to be a bit odd to see the chief rabbis, tongue-in-cheek, selling all the chametz of Eretz Israel to some unsuspecting Arab who then, you know, we're all depending on him, on this Arab. Because if you own the chametz, it's an Isur Karet. It was you get cut off in heaven, which I think is unpleasant. A second, second, one second, one second. So, so when you sell it to this Arab, the last Arab they had, you know, in the first 20 years that I was in Israel, happened to be a Jew, which was unfortunately for all the owners of the chametz, who were selling him the chametz. But now they have checked and double-checked and triple-checked that they're sure that the Arab is really an Arab. 
and not just somebody who's interested in television time. <laughs> but <coughs> so that midoraita, the word tashpitu, means apparently just get rid of it any way you can. And many Rishonim say that if you just declare that it doesn't belong to you, it doesn't belong to you. Other Rishonim uh, question this, because if, if I have something in my house that I really don't want, you know, like an old wedding present or something, so I can say, whew, I don't want you, but it's still going to be mine, because it's in my house. I'd have to take it out of my house. Right, and put it in the public garbage someplace, in order for it not to be mine. Or for it not to be mine. Nevertheless, the Ran and other Rishonim say that on Pesach it works. So that's Tashpitu, yes. If the person doesn't want to sell it back to you, he keeps it. Yeah, he it does. Be in the <coughs> he does, but we, we make sure that the, that the Arab that we send it to sells it doesn't have that much money. And it was the real price for all the Chomets in Eretz Yisrael is some astronomical amount, which itself is a problem in the sale. But like if I say here, I'm selling it to you this for a billion shekel. A billion. Could you give me a down payment like 10 shekel? So that doesn't sound like a real sale, does it? I mean, nobody real would sell a billion shekel for 10 shekel. Oh, that's what we do. And we make sure that the Arab that we sell it to doesn't have a billion shekel. Right? And therefore, when the time comes up, which is exactly one week after, after the beginning of Pesach, when the time comes, either put up or shut up. So he shuts up because he doesn't have the money. So automatically, the sale is undone. And all the chametz goes back to its original owner. That's what we do. That's how we, you know, we do it. And most people, if you have something expensive, if, if all you have is old bread and, you know, store-bought cake, you might as well get rid of it. But <coughs> if you have something very expensive, like what could it be? But, uh, only very expensive liquor. I, mean, I don't know anything else. I mean, I, I mean, a perfume is probably not chametz, and all that kind of stuff is not real chametz. Not the kind of chametz you have to worry about. But liquor might be. Again, I don't want to get involved. It's not, it, nothing is what you think it is. But liquor costs a lot of money, like a five bottle of whiskey. So if you, <coughs> if you have an $800 bottle of Johnny Walker blue, gold, super, whatever, you know, then you don't want to just throw it out. You'd rather just, I mean, you could actually fill it up with orange juice and say it's too expensive to give out to anybody. But, so that's Tashbitu. I'm talking about the word Tashbitu. Seven days Tashbitu. You can't eat chametz. Now, now, this attitude that the Torah has about chametz is very, very serious. It's a very serious transgression. Karet, right? If you eat chametz, and this this psukim that we're reading take place after makat bechorot and after they're leaving Mitzrayim. Pasuk Yitzayin, Shmarta Metamatzot, Ki Be'etzel Hayom Azot Zaiti Etzivot 
תיכם מארץ מצרים, ושמרתם את היום הזה לדורותיכם, חוקת עולם, שמרתם, פסוק י"ז, שמרתם את המצות. If you look, if you look at the Rashi, שמרתם את המצות, שלא יבואו לידי חימוץ. Watch them, watch the matzot. They shouldn't come לידי חימוץ. מכאן אמרת הפך, תלטוש בטונן. From this the, the Gemara says that if you see the matzot rising, so like put it in a chilly place, you know, get that rise out of it. And so we hear for the first time that there's another aspect to matzah. It's not just lechem only, the bread of the impoverished. It's not just lechem she'onim alav, advarim arbe, that you, <coughs> you talk about a lot. But, but matzah is, it's not yet chametz. In, in, in other words, it was determined somehow that you have 18 minutes after you fire up an oven to make matzot. And after 18 minutes, it's going to produce chametz. After all, how do you make bread? Flour and water, right? How do you make matzah? Flour and water. It's exactly the same thing. The difference between matzah and bread is chipazon. Chipazon, behilu, right? That's chipa, is chipazon. The matzah is made by chipazon, and the lechem is made bili chipazon. Right? The lechem is just just let it stay in the oven until you think it looks good, think it looks right. That's how you bake bread. Right, you stick it in the oven, and then you look through that little window, and if it looks okay, you take it out. And and the idea is, you like it, you like it to rise because if it doesn't rise, it's a cracker, right? So it's hard to eat. It's harder to eat. If it rises, nice and soft, and uh, you know has a shape of it takes the shape of a pan, and so people prefer to eat bread. People prefer to eat bread and not to eat matzah. What's the difference between matzah and bread? Time. That's the difference. The matzah, you make quickly. You don't let it rise. Because anything will rise. I mean, you don't have to put in shmarim. What do you call shmarim? Yeast. Oh, you don't have to put in yeast. It comes from the air. Right? There's plenty of that stuff that makes it rise in the air, you put in yeast because you want it to look a certain way, to rise. What? You put in yeast to make it rise. Right. But even if you don't put in yeast, it's going to rise. So now, Pasuk Yitchet, Barishon Ba'abasayom Lechodesh, Be'erev Tochlu Matzot, Adechad Vesrim Ba'arev. So now we have a separate mitzvah to eat matzot, to eat matzot for seven days. Now the way we understand that is that the obligation to eat matzah is only on the first day of Pesach. But the other days of Pesach, if you want to eat something that's made out of flour and water, you have to eat matzah. So you have to eat, so you don't have to eat matzah for seven days, except according to the Vilna Gaon who said that it was a mitzvah to eat from this pasuk. He said it's a mitzvah to eat matzah every day. But we don't uh, generally accept that position, that halachic position. And what we do is we 
eat the matzah on the first night in the Seder, we eat a, a matzah, and then if you want to eat matzah, you do, and if you don't, uh, you don't. So now we're up to uh, Pasuk Kaf, right? Again, that's how, uh, that was, that's the, the tzivui, the command that God gave to B'nai Yisrael, eat matzah, don't eat chametz. Eat matzah, don't eat chametz. All the chametz that you have, tashbitu, get rid of it. Right? Do not eat any chametz, you're going to be severely punished for eating chametz. Right? The holiday is going to go on for seven days for some reason. Right? I'll mm-hmm. tell you why it's going to go on for seven days. We'll go on for seven days, and during those seven days, <coughs> don't eat chametz, and don't have anything to do with chametz, don't own chametz, don't, don't uh, 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 get rid of all the chametz that you might have had, and that's it. Now, we'll have to pursue Kaf Aleph. Then there is this uh, this repeat of the a repeat of the mitzvot. The first has to do with uh, Pesach, and this goes on uh, goes on until Pasuk Kafhe. until Pasuk Kafhe. Uh Ushmert Kavda right Kafe. Vayaki Tabol Haaret Ashaitela Shem the Khakashidibarsh Vatemadabodazo. When you come to Eretz Israel, like Yoshua is gonna lead you to Eretz Israel, Ushmartem Eta Avodahazot. Shwatemadavodahazot uh it means you you'll do something. <coughs> In other words, there's Pesach Mitzrayim. Pesach Mitzrayim, I told you, you take the sheep on the 10th of Nisan. On the 14th of Nisan, you shecht it. Then you put the blood on the doorposts, and you're saved. Your firstborn children are saved. Okay? Then, the Pasuk says in Pasuk Kavhei, Kavhei, Vayaki Tavol Haaretz. We're talking now about 40 years later. Right, 40 years later, when they come to Eretz Yisrael, Vayaki Tavol Haaretz, Asher Yitav Hashem Lechem Kashe Diber, Ushmartem Et Avodah Hazot. Ushmartem Et Avodah Hazot. The Rashi, the Pesach of A. One second. Vayaki Tavol Haaretz, you see the last line on the page. Talak Atuv Mitzvah Zon, this mitzvah, what we call Pesach, which starts with a Seder, right? Or sorry, which we call in the time of the Beit Hamikdash, starts with the Korban Pesach, right? Starts the Korban Pesach, which is on Yudalit. Yudalit this year is on Friday. Friday. Next Friday is Yudalit. Okay, Rashi again. You continue in when you get to Eretz Yisrael. So you know that in Bamidbar, in the book of Bamidbar, Perek Det, right? People came to Moshe Rabbeinu and they say, "How are we going to keep Pesach?" Because with Me'im, how are we going to give the Korban Pesach? 
people who came to know who they were exactly is a, is also a, a, <coughs> a question. It doesn't it doesn't really matter. But they said they said to Moshe, how will he keep the Pesach? So Moshe Rabbeinu told them that there's a new invention called Pesach Sheni. Pesach Sheni is the carbon Pesach that takes place um, a month later. Not on the 14th of Nisan, but the 14th of Iyar. Right? For those people who could not participate. Therefore, we learn from that, and what do we know from that? That there were at least two Pesach events before they came to Eretz Yisrael. The first one was what we call Pesach Mitzrayim, the Pesach, the Korban Pesach in Mitzrayim. And the second one was the Korban Pesach that was given a year later. Is that... Uh, and then, for the next 38 years, they didn't do Pesach. Because it says in this Pasuk that we just, that we just read, Pasuk Cafe, it says here, refers to the Korban Pesach. It's all connected to the Korban Pesach. Are you worn out yet? No. Why am I worn out? Pasuk You recognize that? So now, uh, one of the sons has made an appearance. Then, when are your children going to say it? <coughs> Simple pshat. After 40 years. After 39 years. So of course, they haven't done it for 39 years, so they're going to say, what's going on? Right? That makes sense. Today, it doesn't make sense. Because all the kids in the garden, they can't walk, but they can sing Manishtana. Right? They all know everything about everything. So, uh, so what they... <coughs> so they're not going to say, They're going to say, where's the candy that we were promised? That's what you answer. It's a Korban Pesach. And they all bow down. So this Pasuk is about the future. When are the children going to ask? Whether in Eretz Yisrael. When, they, when you do the Korban Pesach again. So they... <coughs> the children know a lot of things, but they never saw <coughs> Okay, Pasukaf Chet. After this command was given by Moshe Rabbeinu to Bnei Yisrael, Yechuv Yasu Bnei Yisrael, Kashet Ziva Shemet Moshe Ba'arok Kedasu. Vayihi b'chatzi alayla. And now we have the story. It goes like there's the tzivui and there's the story about the tzivui. So this is uh, these psukim are about. <coughs> All the Bechorot got it that night. So Paro was screaming and yelling and crying. He didn't. He couldn't even imagine how bad things would get. 
would get. He said to them, up and out. He didn't say, let's negotiate, as he did in the past. Up, out, mitocha, mi, kamatem, kamatem, Israel, all of you, go and serve God as you have told me you wanted to do. And this is uh, uh, Paro trying to defend his territory, right? He says, you said you just wanted to go to serve God. You didn't want to leave. You didn't say you wanted to leave. And the Egyptians really wanted to drive the Jews out of the tribe. Now, here we are. We finally got to Pasuk Labadal. It was in this section. In this section, you see, first there is Shibuyim. There are mitzvot. Korban Pesach, Matzah, Chometz. Right? Korban Pesach, Matzah, and Chometz. Then it happened. <coughs> then it happens. The firstborn is killed. The firstborn is killed. And then, Pesuch Lamed Dalet, Vayisah Ha'amet Betzeko, Terem Yechmatz. And so the story is that the Jews carried Betzeko. Betzeko? They dough. They had dough. And what do you do with dough? You make something of it. But here it says, Vaisa Ha'am et Betzeko Terem Yechmatz. Before it, it rose, they carried it out. Why they carry it out? Because they didn't have any time. Misharatam, Surotam, Al Shikhmam. So if you look at the Rashi, turn the page. Look at the Rashi. Terem Yechmat. You see Pasuk Labadalit towards the bottom of the Rashi? Hamitriyim lo inichum lishot kidei chimutz. Rashi blames the Egyptians. It was their fault. They were pushing so hard on the Jews to leave that the Chomets, that the dough, did not rise. That's what, that's what happened. Misharatam, Misharatam, what's left? She'er, what's left over? She'erei matzah moror. They had matzah, they had moror. Where did they have matzah from? Where did they have matzah from? Well, they were poor people. And poor people make matzah. So they must have had matzah at home. So when they ran out of the tribe, they grabbed a piece of matzah, you know, they want to die on the way. <coughs> what about Moro? Rashi says. What is Shirei Matzah Moro? That has to do with the Korban Pesach, right? That's the way they ate the Korban Pesach. They ate the Korban Pesach with matzah and Moro. That's how you ate meat. I mean, you, you, you know, uh, corned beef on rye. Korban uh, Pesach on matzah. That's what they did. That's how they ate it. What's moror? That's how, that, that was the mitzvah of a Korban Pesach. Al matzah and mororim. You have to eat it with matzah and moror. At least that's the way we understood it. But they would have eaten it with matzah anyway. So according to Rashi, according to Rashi, when they ran out of the tribe, they took the matzah and the moror, 
the matzah and the mora that they had left over from eating the korban Pesach. Not new matzah and mora. Old matzah and mora. Okay? Al shikhmam, af al pishya behemach abeho lichu imahem, mechavavim ahiyot mitzvah. Okay, Rashi has a problem. How come they're carrying all this matzah and mora on their backs? Didn't they get a lot of animals from the Egyptians, you know, to help them out? Let's go back and finish. Pasuk Lamed Zion. Pasuk Lamed Zion, come to a very important Pasuk. You see Pasuk Lamed Zion? You see before Pasuk Lamed Zion there's a little pay? That means it's a parashat tucha. It's like a paragraph in the Torah. When you look in the Torah, you see it's divided into paragraphs. So in the printed editions, they got into this habit of putting a pay for a smaller paragraph division and a samach. Uh, I'm sorry, pay for a bigger one and a samach for a smaller one. We must have noticed these pays and samachs drive Even in this page, if you look at the seventh line, seventh line, you see a pay? Right? If you look from the bottom, three, six, seven, eight, nine lines from the bottom, you see a samach. Yep. So the samach, is, the pay is a bigger division, and samach is a smaller division. Paragraphs, like what we call paragraphs today. Sometimes you also write that way. You put in a paragraph and skip a line. Sometimes you just put in a paragraph and you don't skip a line. Well, you know. So here we are. Pasuk Labet Zayin. This is where we wanted to get to all this time. <coughs> they went from Ramses, right? Ramses, where the Jews were, where they built those pyramids. They built those cities and they went to a place called Sukkah. They went to a place called Sukkah. Rashi, if you turn the page, turn the page. Mirab Seit Sukkota. May Avesrim Mil Hayu. 120 mil. A meal is like 20 minutes. Ubo Sham Lefi Sha'ah. They came there at that very moment. In other words, it was a miracle. A miracle took place. May Ava Esrim Mil Ayu Ubao Chamnafisha Hashim Emar. Later on, the Kodesh Baruch relates to them the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. The words that I used are I carry you on the wings of eagles. So where were the wings and where was the eagles? According to Rashi, here. They went from Ramses. Ramses was the place of Makat Bechorot. They went from Ramses to Sukkot. What happened in Sukkot? What happened in Sukkot? Why does the Torah tell us about Sukkot Bechlal? And there was also, like all kinds of odd people, non-Jews who came with them, 
וצול ובקר מקנה כבד מאוד. What do you think? So that's Rashi. Rashi asked before, why did they have to carry the stuff out of the tribe? They had all these animals. They could have had the animals carry the tribe. Rashi says, Chibat Mitzvah. They wanted to carry the stuff, you know, for the mitzvah, the matzah and the morrow that they took out of the tribe. They wanted to carry it themselves. Now look at this pasuk, my friends. Was anybody oppressing the Jews at this particular moment? Were there any Egyptians there? No. They were going to chase after the Jews. But they were not going to be supported by the miraculous transfer that the Jews had from Ramses to Sukkot. They came there instantly, at that very instant, and the, the Egyptians were just reconnoitering. They were deciding on what they were going to do. So again, the Pasuk says, So they took this Batsek. Where did they take the Batsek from? They took it from... From... <coughs> Ramses. Good. They took it from Ramses. And they had this Batsek. Batsek. Why did they do Ugot Matzot Kilochamet? Maybe because they were used to it? Maybe because that's the way they did it, but they didn't have to. Why couldn't they just bake bread? Ki goshumi mitzrayim velo yachlulit mamea vigam seida lo asumi They were chased out of Mitzrayim. They could not wait. What could they not wait for? What exactly is the story of Ramses in the making of the, of the Matzah? Now if you look at the next section, turn the page, Shmot Ver Gud Gil. The one we just read was Shmot in Ver Bet. Now we're up to Ver Gud You have to remember, you have to remember Shirat Yam. Shratayam is chapter Tedva, 15. So we're way before that still. You see in Perak Yud Bet, right? It says quite clearly. Why not? We don't know. Pasuk, Pasuk Dalit, That's why we know that Pesach always has to be Bechodesh Aviv. Right? What is Chodesh Aviv? When you see, when the the flowers blossom on the fruit. You know it's Aviv. So if you have Tishrei, Cheshvan, Kislev, Tebe, Shvat, Adar, at the end of Adar, what comes after Adar? Nisan. But what if you come to the end of Nisan and it's snowing? It's like not so good, right? It's not Aviv. 
So what do we do to compensate? We add a month. We just add a month, and we just say blank, and then Nisan. That's how we, we have to always accommodate Nisan with the idea of Aviv. It has to come out, has to come out the Aviv. Again, Moshe Rabbeinu reiterates what has already been stated that you celebrate Pesach when you come to Eretz Yisrael. When you come to Eretz Yisrael. <coughs> okay. Shivat Yamim Tachal Matzot B'yom HaShri'i Shri'i Chag L'Hashem Another repetition B'yom HaShri'i I'm sorry Shivat Yamim You should eat Matzot Matzot Yachelet Shivat Yamim V'leir Elecha Chameitz Lo Yerlecha Saor B'chol G'vulecha You should not It should not be seen as yours The Chameitz should not be seen as we discussed previously You have to Disown the chametz. You don't have to destroy it, but you have to disown it. If you have a problem with disowning, you could try destroying. That's what we do. We do everything. You know, that's the nature of things. Since we're never sure of who we are, whether we are, you know, good enough or not good enough, so we do everything you could do to the chametz that's possible. We destroy it, and then we get we. <coughs> we look for it we destroy what we find we sell what we can't destroy or find right and that's the that's the end B'chodesh Aviv okay now if you look down at Pasuk Pasuk Tetzayim see Pasuk Tetzayim Perik Tetzayim Pasuk Tetzayim we'll look at the Pasuk again Lo tochal alav chameit shivat yamim tochal alav matzot lechem oni Lechem Oni, Rashi, Lechem Shemaskir to Oni, Shenit Anu B'Mitzrayim, the affliction that they were afflicted with in Mitzrayim. And then this word, Chipazon, Yatsata Me'erz Mitzrayim. Ki B'Chipazon, Lo speak Batzek Lachmitz, that the dough did not rise. V'zei Yelechadish Dikaron. V'Chipazon, and here we have a question on Rashi. Rashi says that the Shipazon was caused by Mitzrayim. But we know that the Shipazon actually took place in Sukkot. In Sukkot where they came with the dough, and they could have, they had a lot of time, they could have baked bread. But instead, they baked, they insisted on matzah. So, what seems to me to be the, a possible resolution of uh, where did the Isu, the prohibition of chametz, come from? I mean, why did the Torah tell us at the beginning don't eat chametz, and why is it that the Jews, when they were in Sukkot and seemed to have some time, also insisted on making um, on baking matzah? And then the Torah in Dvarim summarizes all of this by saying there was Chippazon. And the Chippazon came from the Egyptians when we know it didn't really come from the Egyptians. 
So it's, it seems to me that the word chipazot might be understood somewhat in a different way. You remember that the Rambam, when the Rambam uh, tries to explain to us how Avodazara, how idolatry came into the world, so the Rambam said it was a svara. No, it was a thought process that people had. And the people thought, people thought that if God gave power to the sun and the moon and the stars to control elements of the climate of life itself, I mean, you couldn't have life without a sun. I mean, continuing life. It's true, God created the world. But then God put the sun in that world to give it life, ongoing life, all the, you know, all the time. So it was a swara that the people employed. The Rambam calls that swara ta'ut gedola. There's a major mistake that people made. And that mistake was that if God <coughs> that if God gave power to the sun and the moon and the stars, obviously God would want us to recognize that power and and pay homage to it. Pay homage to the power that God that God recognizes. So it's like it's like Mordechai, I'm sorry, it's like a Hashverosh appointing Haman as his second in command. He wanted he Ahasuerus wanted people to bow down to Haman. And Haman picked up on that. He thought that was a great idea. It was a great idea. And interestingly, Mordechai Lo Lo Mordechai did not bow down. And Chazal say, so how come he didn't bow down? I mean, it's Pikuach Nefesh. He's going to, the, all the Jews are going to be killed. So they said that he wore an, <coughs> an idol around his neck. And therefore, Mordechai would not, so this connection to idolatry, to idolatry and being in command, second in command, was obvious to Chazal. It was obvious to them that that must have been must have been what happened. So that svara, svara is slow. Thinking things out, coming to a conclusion, is a slow process. Accepting a direct command is fast. In other words, you can't ask God why. Even if you think you could explain why, it's not as though you could say. <coughs> it's not as though you could say, if I if I knew, if I knew, then I would I would uh, uh, be able to change things. So chipazon, chipazon represents chipazon represents the ability to accept the direct command, whereas svara. And represents the ability that we have to think things out and to try to come to some sort of conclusion. Of course, if you get a direct command from from God, that's a perfect set of information. Whereas you try to figure it out on your own, there's always going to be there's always going to be imperfection. So that the machloket between Paro and Moshe Rabbeinu, right? Paro, he disagreed with Moshe Rabbeinu. Well, what was it that he disagreed about? What did Paro disagree about? Well, he disagreed about when you know that it's over. When is it over? And it was Paro said, Paro said, 
you know, maybe the sun will win. Maybe the stars will win. There'll be some other God that will win the day, even though right now we're taking a really heavy beating. Right? Apparel said, maybe we will win at the end. And so he was willing to chase after B'nai Yisrael, after Makat Bechorot, into the desert, to get to Yamsuf, and even to chase into, when you see, it was Paros saw that God, the God of Moshe Rabbeinu and B'nai Yisrael, was powerful enough to split the Red Sea. So you would think, you would think that that would put him off. That would say to Paro, look, it's not for you. You can't do this. No. He went and he chased right after them into the Red Sea, which was split by God, God who had opposed him. And he thought, nevertheless, that he would be able to <coughs> that he would be able to vanquish the God of the Jews and of Moshe Rabbeinu. This amazing conflict, this amazing conflict was visualized all the time by B'nai Yisrael. And they complained. Things are worse than they were. You haven't changed anything, Moshe Rabbeinu. We're not yet out of the tribe. Even though they had already gotten to Yamsuf, they'd gone from Ramses to Sukkot to Yamsuf, and were ready to leave the, uh, the, the country that was called Mitzrayim. In spite of all of that, they had doubts. Right? God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Speak to them, tell them to go, tell them to have confidence. They shouldn't even daven. This is not a time for daven, it's a time for confidence. Confidence in the divine, in the divine promise, which equals chippah zone. So the moment <coughs> that they got to Sukkot, the moment that they got to Sukkot, where they had the option to do something with a swara, to think that it was over, that they would be able to, uh, to accept uh, uh, the, the leadership of God, they, they did it b'chipazon. They did it without thinking. Without, you know, that they knew that they had to get out. They knew that they had to go. And so, the Rambam and the Gaonim, and the Sidurim, all say, all say that start, the headline of the Haggadah is Bibihilu Yatsuri Mitzrayim. It was with Chippazon that they left the tribe because Chippazon was enlightening for them. They understood, they understood that they had to accept the fact without any doubt that God was taking them out of Mitzrayim. And this was a tremendous enterprise for a people who had been enslaved for over 200 years in Mitzrayim and who was standing up against Paro who proved himself to be a very formidable enemy even though we don't think of it in that, in that way. So that the chipazon that was expressed in Sukkot, in the place called Sukkot, was chipazon <coughs> that was generated by Bnei Yisrael themselves. They understood, even though they, they, they heard that they weren't going to be able to eat chametz on future psachim in the future, they knew that they would have to act it out in the present as well. Not because they were forced by the Egyptians but because they were forced by themselves. They understood that this was the way that they would be able to create a
Pesach for themselves. Okay. Uh, next week is no Shehu. <laughs> next week is Wednesday night devoted to neurosis. <laughs> <laughs> Even though, as has been said in the past, Pesach is not really that hard. I mean, you could make it hard. You could make it hard, but it's not that hard. And you make it easy. You go into a supermarket and you buy food for Pesach. I mean, what else is there to do? Everybody keys cleans their house, right? Regularly. That's why, that's why, uh, for most people, the Dikat Chameitz is not such a big deal. Because if you clean your house for three weeks before the Dikat Chameitz, then there's hardly anything to get too excited about. And uh, what else is there? The matzahs, most people buy matzahs, and they seem to, nothing terrible happens. And chametz you stay away from because the big signs on the walls stay away from whatever you stay. We also stay away from uh, little round looking things, you know. What do they call them? No, you know, the little ones, the little ones, what are they called? That's the real problem today. Well, the broths is, is, you know, either you do or you don't, you know, like what's the problem? You know, today I already tell it, there's a problem if you have a uh, son in law who does and you don't, or you do and he don't, something like that. But I mean, it's a negotiable thing. You're talking about quinoa. Quinoa, yeah. Or. I mean, it's not, uh, like I say, it's not such a big deal. You, you go into the supermarket, take a little plastic can of something, and it says, Mochle Kidney. So you say, that's not me. Or you say, it is me. I mean, it doesn't, like, there are no mysteries anymore. That's what I mean to say. It's all clear. It's all clear. So, uh, so because we have so much time to prepare for Pesach, so a lot of people are making trouble. It's not hard to see. We should have seen it. It's not what? If it's not hard to see, it's supposed to be easy, then we should have seen it. No, the, the neurosis sets in. I, I, I don't know why the neurosis sets in. But you know. I don't know, years ago, years ago, Rabbi Sharma, I lived in the neighborhood, he was the Rabbi put out a uh, yeah. little pamphlet, which he said, not so hard. You know, just do this, just do that. And he suggested that women should prepare for the Seder. Because there's a, the myth of Sipo Yitziat Mitzrayim divides equally upon men and upon women. So, just like the men that say that they're preparing for the Seder, so they say it. So the women should be preparing for the Seder. But uh, I don't think it worked. I don't think it worked. I think that they, uh, somehow people said that he was kidding. <laughs> well, I, I don't think he was kidding. I mean, it was, it's, not, it's not like something to be tormented. <laughs> <laughs>